Have you ever wondered what it takes to spin out a company from a university? In this podcast, Robert Bruhl, CEO and co-founder of Fibercoat, will be discussing his experiences with Sarah Allison, senior consultant at Oxentia. Robert discusses such themes as negotiation with the university, emphasising the importance of learning from other startups, and then also some of the challenges and pivots that the company has had to go through during its growth phase. We hope you enjoy this episode. And please do let us know if you have any comments or questions. You can contact us at ideaspod at Oxentia.com. Enjoy. Hi, um, I'm Sarah Addison, Senior Consultant at Oxentia, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce uh, Robert Brawl to our virtual studio. Um, lovely to have you here. Uh, thank you for making the time to come and share your experience with, with us. Thank you for having me. So today uh, we will be exploring your experience of spinning out um, your company. Um, I'm really interested to hear about how you navigated those early days, you know, while, while you were setting up your company. Um, so it'd be uh, really great if you could introduce yourself, um, tell us sort of about your, your story um, of what your company does and how your company um, was first created. Yeah, so my name is Robert. Uh, I'm one of the founders and CEO at Fibercode the company that's making high-performance materials affordable. So our mission is to get great materials with great properties into as big as markets as possible so that many people can profit from those materials. Um, our current beachhead product is in metal fiber that is 10 to 20, 10 to 20 times cheaper than the state of the art, um, being used in automotive and construction industry for shielding and heating applications. And as you already mentioned, we are a spin-off from Aachen University in Germany. Um, the development itself started in 2014 uh, when the initial idea was born. And uh, at that time, one of my co-founders, Alex, was a student. I was a supervisor and we managed the first time to code fibers uh, with, with this approach. Um, and then we moved through the stages at the university with public funding to get it to a certain level of like, lab scale that works consistently. And um, we achieved this status in 2018. And at that time, we were already getting frustrated with how great technology is being handled and then transferred into industry because a lot of cool research never really got out of university um, or it took very long for it, for it to be applied. So we figured, let's try it ourselves. Um, and we applied for a big German grant for spin-offs uh, called Exist um, Grant. And then in 2019, we received the grant and we could fund a company in 2020, um, just before COVID hit Germany. So this was a perfect time to start a company um, in a sense of we had a lot of time to focus on the company. Um, but we had to pivot because at that time we were coating plastic on glass and chemists, if they can't go to the lab, they can't supply plastics. So we had to look into something that was easily available even in home office. So we then pivoted to metal fibers. And with the time that COVID gave us, basically without travels and everything, we managed to scale then this new coating to a one ton per month scale by the beginning of 2021. And since then, we've been scaling and producing the material. Um, by now, we have sites in Georgia, Poland, the US, um, a team of 30, 37 people. Um, working on supplying this, these materials to our companies and partners. Wow, that is amazing. So over, over a space of about, what, 
How how three long did now. yeah three years you we, we, scaled? We turned three two months ago. Yeah, that's amazing. That really is amazing. So mm. obviously that's really fast growth, and it sounds like um, the business is moving forward. You had to pivot. It's quite exciting. Um, there must have been you know I I don't I can imagine it wasn't completely smooth running the whole way. So so along the way, were there what what do you think were the sort of main challenges? Obviously, you mentioned COVID. Uh, what were the main challenges, would you say, along the way? So, I think we've, we had two kinds of type of challenges. One are the induced ones from our technology and our market, because in a materials business, they're just the things of you usually really hard to scale with high capital investment, a very long time to market, conservative markets and customers. So, these types of challenges we are still overcoming. So, we still are only at a five ton per month capacity. Um, where we have customers that were running through pilots talking about 40,000 tons a year in need. So we are still at a very low uh, scale in that regard. Um, but we managed to scale quickly because we piggybacked on existing technology, so we didn't have to invest in those things. And then the other type of challenge that we saw is um, like external things. COVID was not in the business plan, for example. Neither was the crisis with chips and supply um, that really... Made, we had to become very creative in how to procure uh, machine parts because suddenly lead, lead times from a month went to 14 months. So yeah, being agile is a very different word if you have to think about a year in, in advance. And then the whole Ukrainian crisis um, also hit us hard because the energy price in Germany went up so far that partners had to close their plants. So we had to move our production actually out of Germany to Georgia. That's the reason why we're in Georgia mainly uh, as a reaction to the energy crisis in Europe. Gosh. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks. That's that's really interesting. I guess those are those are two sort of main challenges. And thinking about, I don't know, it's just, it's such a, it's, it's really interesting. So thinking about how, how were you prepared for this journey, this three-year journey that you've just been on? Thinking about back to when you first started setting up your, your company and your new business, do you feel that, your skill set or your mindset have these types of things changed um and yes yeah yes. so so they changed a lot um i mean we had experience so um of the three founders two of us were already leading um departments of the university with uh, 40 people teams so we, we had this kind of experience and we went through some challenges in those uh areas but the business thinking Entrepreneurship is a very different type of, uh, of mindset that you have to grow and to understand. Also, the being agile and trying to find an opportunity and a challenge where you have nothing to fall back on because kind of you have to deal with this now and you have to find a solution, otherwise you, it won't work out. Um, so there was a lot of mindset change and learning that we did. Um, and this is also one of the key things is listening to all of the support we got. So there is a great support at Aachen University. Uh, for startups, like just sparring and helping the, to set up things and understanding the how VCs work, for example, and how fundraising works. But there's also a lot of community around uh, the area that then telling other founders to not make the same errors or to learn from other experience where they where they get good solutions um, is a big thing um, to get there. So I think we as a team. Uh, grew not in, only in persons, but mainly in the, in the sense of understanding. And if I think about the challenges we're tackling today, 
and comparing that to the beginning of the startup time, it's just, I would have never been capable to, to do what I'm doing now at those times. Yeah. Wow. So thinking about, you, you mentioned um, earlier when we were just talking uh, before this recording about how you, you have a really, a really good relationship with your university. And you've just mentioned okay. that lots of support that they provided to you in, in those early few uh, sort of stages, early stages. Yeah. Do you, and I know obviously the, the intellectual property um, underlying your, your innovation would have belonged, am I right in, in assuming it belonged to the university? In, in yeah. Germany? Yeah. 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 Um, so maybe I can, I can elaborate a bit more on, on how that, that worked there. Um, so the, the IP was created during research projects and uh, different public funded grants, uh, which are part of the university. So the IP was also filed, the patents were filed through the university um, at those times. And when we took the decision to spin out and to found a company, we had customers. Um, I mean, they were the main reason for, for founding the company because then when re revenue starts to come in, you want to have it in a, in a company, not in a in some research um, grant. So at that point, we needed IP to be able to operate um, and to have a, to, to be able to, to work and supply our customers at that point. So we started negotiating with the university. And even though I'm not lying that they could support and that the relationship is great, it was really tough starting those negotiations, mm -hmm. um, mainly because there was a, we didn't understand what the university needed and even though they understood what we need, they, they couldn't supply that to us because of the regulations and laws that they have to abide by. Um, so the first offer they made was completely unacceptable for us. Um, they were, even though they were flexible, so they offered um, a revenue share, which would be great to keep our cost low, for example. Um, but we didn't know how big our margins would be. So this was kind of a, yeah, un, 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 unsatisfying solution mm -hmm. and then it was also option to buy but at a price that we couldn't afford which is way too high um, and then it's at one point we got to the area where we then discussed on not how much the IP is worth but rather the model how the worth is calculated uh, because all in our case all the university needs is to show that it's make uh, it's sold in, at market there's market standards that other companies would get the same deal and that there's not an unfair treatment of their own startups. That's what they need um, in front of the German government and law to, to show. And as soon as we had that fleshed out and we agreed on all those terms and what was acceptable, it was really easy to come to a, to, to a final solution and offer. Um, so we stopped negotiating and started working together. Um, things moved along really, really smoothly. Um, that said, the process took a year, right? So. Okay. Sounds sounds very easy, but it took time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and you know, in retrospect, looking back at that time, do you have anything you wish you'd known prior to that negotiation or prior to setup? Yeah. So so the approach I, I just mentioned, um, mm. talking about the model and understanding what the limitations of the university are. So what I have to support them in, so that they can give me a good deal. Uh, this took way too long to understand, uh, which I wouldn't say is anybody's fault. It's just learning um, in, in that regard. And even earlier, finding the IP, um, I would have liked to know more about what this IP means for a potential startup and 
how it would have needed to be, be phrased or what the strategy would be to not to be a good base IP for a startup. So it works for us, but we had to file more afterwards. Um, and we could have set up, set up way better if we would have known what the way would have been. So that's kind of the, the university helped us there, but they have the, 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 the lens of the researchers and the university, how they would use the IP. So it's not the same type of, uh, of wording. That's really interesting. So what helped me to understand that what lens should they have been looking through or do, how could they have expanded their viewpoints? Um, so how the IP was done is we, we, we had a cool technology. Uh, we understood what it can do and what the properties are. So we basically took all of that and put it into one um, patent that was then with certain claims and so on and fairly broad, um, but it didn't account for the application that would be possible with it and all the types of pivots that could be done. So it's kind of, it was very focused on the on the research findings and didn't have too many um, like other claims and topics in there that could have been used to broaden the IP afterwards. So it was a really focused one, um, but from a startup point of view and for the investors having a broad protection that then might need to be scaled down or focused later is way stronger. Um, I don't know if that's, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Thanks. It's really, really clear. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really important point, isn't it? The start, the founding IP is just essential and you did need to pivot because of COVID and the other things that you mentioned. Yeah. So, so, so for example, we, we, we covered only certain types of polymer coatings. Mm-hmm. We, when we pivoted to metal coating, we still had the same technological approach, but it wouldn't be would have, would not was not covered by the IP. So we had to find a new, uh, which is okay, right? We did it; it's all good. But this could have been covered before. And what would be your advice to a founder, um, budding founder, who is engaging in spin out formation um, or the spin out formation process at their university, and they're sort of in the discussion stage around that? negotiation and equity split in the license deal terms? I think the number one thing is to not start too late. Um, I think at any university, it it takes time um, and rather starting early in the discussion and then having a lot of time to to negotiate from the position of strength rather than uh, being late and kind of being, um, yeah, having, having to accept any deal just to to, to get to the point that you need to be at at the time is a, is really important. And then really not having, so, so trying to work on the relationship instead of having an antagonistic uh, negotiation where the, the other other guys are the bad guys, uh, but rather finding common ground and yeah, both entities, university and the startup, they both have a, an incentive for this to work out. Um, because, I mean, if you're honest, 90% of the IP university generates will not be sold anywhere else, but rather to the startups that are formed there. So it's kind of, it's in the end, it's going to be a win-win. Um, understanding that and working on the relationship to find a common solution instead of a, um, working against each other. So I think it's the number one thing. It's also harder, um, but in the end, it'll re- lead to best, better results, I think. Thank you. Yeah, no, I agree. A win-win is of course going to be beneficial for everyone. Well, uh, we've had a really interesting discussion. 
thank you very much for um, all the insights and information that you've you've divulged today um, and the thought you've put into those top tips. Just like to say a really big thanks from all of us here at Oxente and our team. Thank you too. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to to support where I can. Um, I mean, we learned a lot uh, during our time from these kinds of videos and podcasts and all of that information that's out there from other startups that had to run with the same issues. Um, so really happy to have the opportunity to also share some of what we learned. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this episode of bringing new ideas to life and Robert's experiences of spinning out his company and its growth. If you have any questions about this topic or would like to get in touch with us, then please do contact us at ideaspod at oxentia.com. That's ideaspod at oxentia.com. We'll be back with some more interesting topics very soon. Take care and goodbye for now. <laughs>